You're listening to Get More Done, a You Can Book Me podcast, and I'm Ben. Each month, You Can Book Me saves tens of thousands of customers, thousands of teams, and millions of bookers' time by automating scheduling. This podcast will explore other aspects of productivity. On each episode, I have the privilege of talking with entrepreneurs, CEOs, managers, consultants, and coaches to learn how they are doing more with less and helping their teams level up. We hope that these conversations help you to get more done. On today's episode, I met up with Julia Safa, the Senior Manager of Internal Communications of Guru, a software tool that helps companies organize and access information. Julia shares the reason that internal communication is so important. She also talks about a new No Meeting Wednesday initiative started at Guru to help their team do deeper work without interruptions. Enjoy. Excellent. Welcome back to the Get More Done podcast, where we talk about all things productivity and helping teams level up and do more with less. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Julia Safa, the Senior Manager for Internal Communications with Guru. So Julia, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ben. I'm so excited to be here as a fellow productivity. Yes, I can't wait to geek out on all things productivity with you. When we start these conversations, we usually start with an icebreaker question, uh, just to break the nerves up a little bit. So in this episode, um, the question for you is, when did you get your first cell phone and what kind was it? Ooh, um, I think it's got to be, what, 1999 to. 1999-1998 and it was that Nokia big kind of block phone I had that um like candy apple red cover and I don't think I used it other than to play snake yes. you know it's just like sat turned off in my LL Bean backpack <laughs> um unless I needed to ask my mom where she was picking me up from school but how how things have changed. Yes, I too was addicted to that snake game, but I had to borrow my mom's phone to play it and drain the battery all the time. She was not happy, but <laughs> that was a classic. Awesome. Yeah, things have changed quite a bit. Now everything, you have a whole, uh, you know, the whole world in your pocket nowadays instead of just being able to call four people. For better or for worse, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. So so tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your role at Guru. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I'm on our internal communications team. Uh, Previously before Guru, I worked in tech and digital advertising and I actually had sworn off tech completely, like took almost two years off. Um, I'm a marketer, I'm a writer. I kind of call myself a seeker, I'm a yoga teacher. And so um, when I came to Guru, when I like aligned with Guru as a company, I had moved out of the Bay Area and moved to Philadelphia. Um, I really came on as kind of a, a enablement person uh, and kind of jack, jack of all trades, Jane of all trades, enablement person. And then since uh, I've been there for three years, saw an opportunity that we really needed to be able to scale our communications to help our employees better do the jobs that they were hired to do. So kind of moving from organically from this like enablement role to um, a comms role and what I like to call um, I'm a bouncer for people's time. Because if time is is one of the finite resources that we have, how do I help employees, whether they're selling or coding or um, building new processes and our people ops team, how, to, how do I help them do the job that they were hired to do? And time is a big factor in that. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That that operation side of just making things streamline and starting with the internal, I think that's that's really awesome. Now I'm curious about what what was the breaking point of the tech side, you know, when you were out out on the West Coast. Uh for well, for lack of a better uh way to describe it, I think I just wasn't spiritually aligned to the digital advertising technology and the fact, and this has all since come out, um like in the in the woodwork and and very popularly on Netflix with the um, the social dilemma that if, if folks have seen that um, that documentary just about how our technology is designed to keep our attention and is advertising driven so I think a lot about okay what are our commodities that we have as humans I mentioned time but also our attention and I was really sort of fed up with the persuasive design driven by advertising that fuels so much of our behavior and is designed to be addictive, right? Their willpower is not a great way to combat how we use technology. And so that was, it was really sort of disheartening and honestly exhausting, right? I was burnt out like so many other folks are today. Yeah, yeah I can totally align with that because um, it's all around us everywhere. And if you're not paying for it, you're the product, right? Like that's what it comes down to. So it's cool that you, you know, took the courage to step away from that because a lot of people maybe wouldn't be and be just going with that. And it's awesome that you found, you know, guru to, to kind of further your, your uh, evangelism, I guess, of saving time. Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. On, on that, on that note, can you tell us a little bit about how Guru helps, helps teams save time? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I joined Guru uh, because I open mouth saw the the promise of the product, um, not to mention like our, our values. Um, I was a product marker marketer in a previous life. And I used to joke that they used to call me on my desk phone. You know, sales reps call me on my desk phone asking me the same repeat question. So think of the amount of time and, you know, we've, we've quantified this for our own teams. We quantify it for our customers, but think of all the time that could be saved if you had documented, Hey, when is our company event? And that doesn't, that that would mean that I can be in deep flow and work. And my sales team can just look in the knowledge base to understand when, um, the, the event is happening. Uh, and think of all of the kind of the baseline, repeat questions that don't shouldn't really require a conversation, but people don't know where to go. And so some of some of our our customers, I think on average are saving, you know, 71 hours a month per support rep, just what's the new policy on returns, right? That sort of thing. And and that was really like why I joined Guru and part of the reason that our customers are so happy and that and our our team is using our own product to do the same. And that's really wonderful to see. That's an amazing time savings. And that's per per employee there, like on the sport team. And I guess, you know, compounding to everybody else in the organization. One one thing that really, really stopped me in my tracks recently is your team released a blog post about setting up a no meeting day. So, you know, continuing on the saving time, time track and being a gatekeeper for people's time. So how did this initiative get started? And how has it been going? Yeah, we call it NMW. So people like happy NMW when they log on to Slack or they're, 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 they're sharing, they're sharing information. So this got started, I think, coming from a partnership with our people ops team. So I'm on the marketing team, actually. And so we, we partner with our people ops team and I'm a really big fan of prolific 
productivity, academics, use that alliteration, uh, like Cal Newport, Catherine Price, who wrote How to Break Up with Your Phone in 30 Days, if you're familiar with her. And, and there's a lot of other sort of productivity hackers. And so in thinking philosophically about this, but people are interrupted, right? Every time they get that Slack message, every time they get out of, out of a meeting. And so we asked our employees like, hey, what um, what can we do to improve the uh, employee net promoter score surveys that we send to our team every week? What can we improve? And some of the qualitative feedback was that comms are noisy. I'm like, okay, like I, I, I get that. But, it, you know, a, a hypothesis that I had is that well, actually, is that the root of the problem that comms are noisy? What, you know, personally I was feeling and what I, what other folks are feeling is that they are distracted, right? They can't focus on the work. And so we decided to test a no meeting Wednesday to allow for that and time block, hey, there's going to be a, a one day every week where there's no internal meetings, I should say. So some folks will have external meetings. And it, we really want to have a, a culture of both writing and reading. And if people have meetings all day, how are they going to read, digest, take action so that they can do their best like deep thinking work? So it's going really well, I'd say, because um, we do check in with our employees. Hey, like, what would you change about this, et cetera? Um, and so it's probably something we'll keep, you know, in, definitely into the next calendar year. I also want to call out that having a no meeting Wednesday is is going to be different for like a leadership team versus individual contributors. Since you think about the calendars of VPs, C-level folks, those calendars are going to be very different. And so what is actually prompted all guru to do is be both ruthless and kind about taking other meetings off the calendar and looking, auditing all of the meetings that you have in a one week so that that Wednesday space is truly yours, whether or not you're doing deep work or taking your kid to a ballet class or grocery shopping or exercising, right? Like the taking a really specific look of the why, the participants, the purpose of all of your meetings has reduced meetings in general at Guru. So I'm really happy and proud of that, especially for my own personal calendar. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's awesome that it's led to more, um, more just calendars being off the books of saying, is this, is this meeting really necessary? Cause that's what we hear a lot of, you know, all the people in this meeting don't even want to be here. And why are we even doing this? You know, <laughs> that should never be, it, it should never be a case that you pull up to pull up, you log in, <laughs> whatever, pull up to a meeting and you don't know what value you can bring that doesn't feel good also right right if i'm like why am i on this meeting and then the meeting instead of being a use of like decision time and collaboration it's an update on what the meeting is about and i could talk about this forever we we call we have something called the four p's of running a good meeting so it's what's the who are the people and like what does each person contribute to the meeting the process so how is the meeting going to be run are we um, going through, we use Asana here at Guru, but are we going through, you know, a Google document today? Um, what is the the purpose? So that's really like the the objective of the meeting. And what is the the last P, the product? So what are we going to leave this meeting taking away? What what is the output of that? And if you can't answer all those questions, and if that's not in the calendar invite, I give my employees permission to 
politely decline and ask for the clarification because the meeting shouldn't be a catch-all for unanswered questions. We also do a lot of pre-reads at Guru. So before you attend this meeting, please review this five-minute video where we talk about what we're going to discuss. And if you haven't done that, we're not going to spend meeting time giving context because it's already been been prepped with the team. And that's been really powerful from our leaders to individual sort of smaller working group. Wow. Yeah, that that is amazing advice to come prepared and, and ready to go for these meetings, have the structure in place, but then just the background information so you don't have to spend any precious time. Because I imagine, you know, some of these meetings at companies are quite expensive with a lot of people being on there. And it's like it needs to have have some some productivity around it, some some output or product, as you mentioned, which is really, really great structure. I use that expensive meeting term a lot. Yeah. Okay, so this meeting is 60 hours of time. Do you really want to have it? And that's how I kind of calmly and kindly Kindly. shame people. (laughs) And you got to lead with kindness, right? Because you can't be, can't be the, you know, the jerk of saying, Oh, I'm not going to any meetings, but, uh, but when they clarity is kindness, right? right? Clarity is kindness in the internal comms realm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so another subject that you talk quite a lot about is digital wellness, and I'm not 100% familiar with this concept, so I'd love to just learn a little bit more about that and how, how folks are, are leveraging that to you know become top performers. Yeah, so digital wellness might be something that I made up. Upon Googling it, it isn't, right? There are different, you know, I tried to get the URL, URL for digital wellness. But to me, and if, if you were to Google this term, it's really about the mindful engagement that you as an individual actor have with technology, also like with or without technology. So personally, I have had my team develop what we would call like a digital wellness statement of purpose. And so you can do this at the individual level, as I said, but also what can organizations do to try to enable their employees to to sort of live this kind of digital balance, digital wellness lifestyle. So my statement of purpose might be something like, I'm intentional about the ways in which I spend time with technology in order to be more deliberate about creating inspiring off-screen time. I utilize the digital tools rather than them using me to your point. And uh, like, and I truly believe, you know, in 20 years, in 10 years, we're going to see more of these sort of behaviors at the individual level and at the organizational level, because tech is so pervasive and without intention about how we use it are, you know, it's, it's a battle for the soul not to get to, uh, especially with the metaverse coming fast and loose towards us, we have to think about this and hopefully it rolls up to sort of some sort of, you know, policies around how we make products and how our government thinks about it. But that's my, that's my soapbox. But to answer your question about sort of our top performers, if we think about time and we think about sort of folks feeling time poor, this is a really good way for top performers to take stock of what gives them energy, what drains them, um, because it's going to be d- different for, for every person. And I don't know if we as a, as knowledge workers have taken the time to ask ourselves these questions, because when am I supposed to do it? I don't have any time to, to do this sort of taking stock. And so I've been really inspired by, um, 
Daniel Pink, if you're familiar with him, he wrote a book called When the Surprising Science of Timing. Um, and that has had a huge influence on how I chat with top performers at Guru because there's science to the fact that taking breaks and taking pause away from technology, some might call it like a digital Sabbath, that kind of thing, can actually impact performance because we're not going to be 100% all the time, even though that's what our society and the cult of busyness or hustle culture, whatever you want to call it, demands of us. Yeah. And that's something that we talk about a little bit on this podcast of just productivity is not always being on, but it's it's taking taking the time to recharge and recoup so you don't get burnt out. Because if you are burnt out, you're not you're going to be at zero percent productivity. But if you scale back, right, take the time. I'm I'm interested in how folks, you know, would navigate like when you talk about what gives them energy, is there some sort of framework to run through or to to look at on how, you know, how I can gauge what apps I should be using versus which apps I should be shutting down? Yeah. So I, I don't I don't have it in the, the digital sense. I actually my recommendation is all analog and I can follow up. I have a I have a template of questions that that I've shared with with different communities as well as the internal guru community but it really is it, it, it's on a piece of paper to me it it kind of starts there and so happy to share a template around that because I don't think that the answer is 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 online right. it is the tools that we use that can help us right I I use Asana for work and for personal sort of task management but I, it would be another tool if it if it wasn't Asana. No offense to Asana. It's just that it, it, it's like my personal strategy that I've developed around this. Does that answer? Yeah, I mean, the question. I'd love to get that get that, and we can put it up on the blog post that people can 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 get get access to. Because any more resources to help people just step away and and just get get more grounded, I think is is imperative nowadays. So how how have you built and scaled communication internally at Guru? I know, you know, with Guru it being a communication platform and just a, an information platform, but can you explain maybe the best process that you have in place that saves your team the most time? Oh, yes. I know about the best, but I'll, I'll share some of the, the experiments and the work that we've done in the past nine months. So I think one, you know, one key piece is thinking about internal communications, no matter how big or small a team you have, if you have a function or not, as sort of a service center. So instead of people coming to me and saying, hey, Julia, can you help me write this XYZ way of communicating? I have a ton of templates and a ton of knowledge that's all documented in my in Guru, which is what we use for internal knowledge, that people can self-serve, right? I think that's like the number one thing. It's like, how do we because we want to build a culture of trust and a culture of autonomy, because that is good, what is going to help keep employees satisfied, engaging with their job, not being interrupted or distracted by um, by an update. So, tons of templates on anything from how do I communicate a change? My team's name is changing, etc. Uh, and then I also use and have built. Uh, templates on how to use each tool that we work with. So how Guru uses Asana, how Guru uses Slack, and having those be very explicit in our employee onboarding, I think is is very helpful to to not have to then, you know, two years later, go back and help employees do the change management of building good habits. Really, yeah, building good habits from the get-go. And 
I'll, I'll share two more if that's okay. So not, not really my best, but top four. Last year, we came out with what I would call like visual signals. So we use Slack as, as our chat. And that's where a lot, a lot of us are, are doing our work is on Slack. Visual signals that I believe reduce stress. So for example, you write a long question and then you write two sentences of like, I'm so sorry, I need this, you know, I don't need this right now, or I need this right now. We started, uh, we, we built like branded custom fun emojis that say things like need response in three days, need response now, um, add this information to guru so that instead of people feeling like they always have to be on in this synchronous world that we live in, being really deliberate about how, how and when and why we need answers. And I do believe it sort of reduces the mental load. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is, is really philosophical, which is around pausing before you post. So with the sort of digital infrastructure and the always on way that things are, it can feel really good to just, you know, you see a question, let it, let your answer fly. But really thinking about who your audience is and, and, and taking a second, like having a cultural beat breath built in is something that our leaders model is something that we try to um, help our employees do because we're in software. The emergencies are all relative. (laughs) That, yeah, that's amazing, amazing insights. I love the, the idea of just empowering people to self-serve, like you mentioned, because it's not just on your team to do it for everybody. You have to teach people how to fish, right? And say, here's some templates you can go forth and, and do your, do your good, good deeds. And I love the the emoji side of it too, of just that asynchronous communication. Because a lot of times, in a remote setting or just a hybrid setting, somebody wants an immediate answer. It's like it's nice to clarify that. Be like, we always use it on you can book me is like future so and so saying, hey, I don't want you to do this right now because you're on the other side of the earth and you know you don't need to be answering Slack right now. So we kind of do that, but we may have to you know invoke the emoji thing because that's a really great great piece. And that final bit pausing before you post, just take a beat, take a moment saying, Hey, who, who am I reaching out to? What time is it in their time zone? Or, you know, what, what do they need to be notified and how can I, you know, maybe make it less urgent if it is the case for sure. You should take that life. That's a life. It's not just on Slack or email. Social anywhere. Right. (laughs) Yes. No, no wine and posting or whatever. Just take a beat. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we spoke a little bit about like that hybrid work model and, you know, a lot of companies are moving toward this, you know, in office, some remote, some doing, some doing both. So I'm curious, you know, how Guru has navigated this transition and how it's been going so far since the start of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so Guru, 20, in 2020, Guru had two hub offices and several remote employees working in just a few states. And now, you know, end of 2021, we have two hub offices, and I think we're an employer in about 30 states now. So we've really leaned into hybrid work, for lack of a better term. I'm super proud of how we've, we've actually reopened both of our hub offices in Philadelphia and San Francisco in July, and been able to keep everyone safe, which is our highest priority. Uh, and keep the, and really listen to the team's feedback and keeping them empowered and engaged. So we give employees full flexibility, meaning you could come to work never, 
which means you're a remote employee. You could come to work one day, you come to work five days, but you basically have to designate, hey, if I am coming to work two or more days at one of the hub offices, I'm a hub employee. We've really have expanded our different sort of perks and benefits, um, which was really some exciting announcements. And I was on the cross-functional team that worked on with a fine-tooth comb going over all of, of the updated benefits and perks. We launched what we're calling our hybrid work plan in October at a company meeting with you know the, the entire plan documented. And then every single facet of the plan is in a specific guru card. So folks are able to self-serve, okay, what is the new parental leave policy as I'm transitioning to a remote employee, what perks do I get? Those sort of things. So we are a a company of 170. So it is going to look different for us than it is, you know, a Google, a Meta, what have you. But we still have two offices opening, even, you know, in the in the midst of Omicron, people are, are there um, taking whatever precautions they they can have. The the cross-functional working group I think is essential to, to having pulled this off. So that includes representatives from internal comms, our workplace ops, our people ops, and then also very essential, uh, if you think about it, is our IT team. Uh, because we actually need systems and processes and safeguards to ensure that if an employee is coming to an office and say that person tests positive for COVID, we have a mechanism that isn't difficult every single time that happens because we have to continue. We have to work through this pandemic as it evolves. We are not going to be, I, I think, working against it in a, in a work work way. So kind of controlling what we can control, communicating a ton along the way, and then being pretty transparent is that we're, we're trying, right? We're, please give us feedback. Let us know what is working, how to make it a better experience for you if you're fully remote or for if you're fully in the office. We have office hours that people, if they don't feel, you know, if, if they feel comfortable, they can come and ask questions directly. And, and being very honest about some of those questions, we don't know the answer to yet, right? And I think that keeps us humble um, because I like to say we don't take our too se- ourselves too seriously, but we take our employees' safety and, and their feedback really seriously. Yeah, I think that humility coming into it and say, hey, we don't have all the answers, but willing to work with everybody and accommodate everybody as best you can, I think is is paramount, especially there's a lot of unknowns out there. Um, and, and with the with the transition, what have been what have been some struggles moving to this new type of type of work? Yeah, um, I think that what comes comes to mind and, and something that I have raised my hand about and will continue to. And I think like as an industry and as a society, we're going to see this. A number one concern for me is equity, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. So if you think about those individuals who do want to come into an office, um, they are going to have a different profile than someone who says, hey, you know what, I feel safer, more psychologically safe. Um, For example, working at home, you know, Childcare is an issue. And so how do we create a, a level playing field for all employees when there's a certain, 
you know, group of people who can afford to live in a city to come into one of the offices versus some that don't. Um, and, and I don't, you know, we, we have a, a very open feedback loop here at Guru. Uh, but I think we're going to see this as, as an industry, an industry trend and, and something that will be brought up a lot. Um, part of that, I would also call out uh, exposure to leadership. So if, if, you know, say all of one's company's leaders are in an office and you're not there, um, are you going to have FOMO <laughs> for not, for not being there? And how do you advance your career without sort of like the water cooler or what I call like the meeting after the meeting? Um, how do we address that? And, and, um, we happen to have leaders who are fully remote, which is, I think, a good place to start. Um, not all of them, but th that's going to be a concern. Um, the second thing I think is, and a lot of companies are facing this, is how, to, how do you create connection to purpose and motivation with, uh, with teams who are in different work modes? So, for example, we are working to plan an in-person company kickoff in February, which now sounds crazy this week, but hopefully we'll be able to do it. <laughs> um, and so we've given employees a choice, like, of course, we're not, you don't have to come to this. And so we have about, um, I'd say about 20% of employees, the last time I checked saying they want to do a virtual experience. So we'll have some people in person, and we'll have some people virtual. And how, how is that experience equal? How is that, you know, full of su surprise and delight um, being in those different modes, um, which also speaks to Zoom fatigue and information overload, which sort of all full circle back to uh, communication. <laughs> yeah, and I think communication is, is key, especially if everybody's, you know, dispersed and all over the place. But then, like you mentioned, having an emphasis on that inclusion and getting people into the fold when they're fully remote so they feel more involved and more present. That's something that a lot of teams are struggling with, just navigating this and making it um, equal across the board for sure. Um, so, so let's dive back into internal documentation for a moment. Um, so how important is, is internal documentation to a team's success and how are teams leveraging this type of communication to get more done? Yeah. Well, so just if we think about the hybrid workforce, no matter where you work, being able to access the same information at the same time is, you know, a thing of equity, right? It's, 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 it's a sort of, you know, a knowledge democracy. I think it was PwC, uh, a recent PwC survey was saying that 48% of companies will change processes to become less uh, dependent on this institutional knowledge. So that goes back to this idea of like, if I know the answer to this, and if it's not documented, that's going to waste everybody's time, right? And so how do you make uh, tribal knowledge is a term that people use, but how do you make uh, subject matter expert knowledge, uh, flexible, autonomous, and easily um, accessed by anyone. So, I mean, I think it's super duper important. For example, at Guru, we have all of our company financial information. So our objectives, key results, how we're tracking for the quarter, all of that is available for employees to self-serve and view. And we, so that would be called like a, a pull 
in my in my in 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 a metaphor. So employees are able to pull that information, but then we also have a mechanism that we push that information to employees every two weeks. So there's this dance of, hey, we've built this culture of trust, which depends on this digital by default documentation culture. And then we're also able to communicate that to you. And when that information changes, you know where that is. It's not the mental load of, okay, how how do I look on my desktop or through my email to find the latest report? It is going to be searchable and uh, it is going to find you in, in certain cases, depending on the type of information. Yeah, that that trust and transparency, I, I don't think can be un, you know overstated because it's it's vital to to give folks that information and and allow them to seek it out. And I mean, saving time of just the repetitive tests that we talked about before of like this is where you can go to find it. It's searchable. It's indexable. You don't have to be scouring and and wasting valuable time of just finding information you need readily available. It's really really profound. Yeah. We also talk a lot about um, what we call a knowledge driven culture. And, and again, this is this is very philosophical, but it's a culture that um, we believe that knowledge, just like our real estate, just like our IP, is it is an asset to the organization. So there's there's research on knowledge driven cultures perform better because of that trust, but be but also because people don't have to stop in in the workflow to consume a communication that needs an action now, 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 it can be on their own time if they're in a different time zone in a different country. Um, and happy to sh- share more about that knowledge driven culture research as well. Yeah. And, and on that, on that note, um, how, how should teams, you know, or what are some tips for teams looking to document their travel knowledge to get started with it? Cause I imagine, you know, there's a lot of groups that have people that just do certain jobs and that's the job that that person does. But if that person's no longer here, then there's a huge gap, right? And then there's um, a lot of a lot of problems. So what are some tips to get started with, with documenting uh, internally? Yeah. So from the top of this sort of knowledge-driven culture, I think it, it, it has to come from leadership. Like not that the knowledge itself, and some of it will come from leadership, but the idea that this is important, that this is an asset to our organization, in my experience, that should be modeled by leaders. So for example, our... CFO will share his knowledge after a monthly business review with the team. Like that is a really great signal that there's trust to employees and that taking the time, it's not busy work to get your subject matter expertise into a place where all your employees can see it. So that's kind of number one tip. I'd say don't just start shoving stuff into a knowledge management tool or documentation tool, you know, you need kind of a structural methodology before you do it, because then it's just going to turn into a a dumpster fire of everyone's ideas without some, some methodology. So instead of starting with like what you want to put in there, like sort of the contents, my key recommendation was like, start with a structure, right? Like how, if you are an employee, how would you go about accessing this and like kind of work back from that versus like, I need to put the Wi-Fi password in, <laughs> into this knowledge base. I think asking like how, yeah, how would somebody benefit from the knowledge before you put it in there? There, I have a couple key questions. It's like, am I able to take, is someone else able to take action on this knowledge? 
if so, then maybe it's a good fit. And then, then lastly, um, it is kind of a team sport. Knowledge is a team sport. That sounds cheesy, but it definitely is. And I recommend forming some sort of knowledge council. So if I am the steward of, hey, we're going to buy this tool, whatever it is, we're going to have this new process, whatever it is to get knowledge out of our brains and into a place that it can be shared. I'm never going to be the subject matter expert on all the things that are happening in the company. So having a council of people who, who maybe are getting all those repeat questions and they know that they could save time if they could only just get this out of their head into a place that it, it, um, it can be self-served. So finding kind of influencers, key players, key SMEs who would be on this council just to kind of get it going uh, for the most part is, is also, uh, I think, what we've seen work really well for our customers in standing this stuff up. And, and I imagine it's, you know, a continuous living, breathing thing, too, because it's you don't want stale information. You need to have it updated. You need to have it maintained and managed, right? It, exactly. Um, and so with Guru in particular, we have a verification interval. So things will go stale after you can have it go stale after a week. If we're thinking about sort of our, the example of the monthly business review, we, you can set that it will go stale after a month. And then the person, the CFO, who is the SME on that will get a notification, okay, time to update it, right? And so it is verified by the subject matter expert and employees could know, okay, this is correct information because the CFO updated it yesterday. You're able to see that. Um, time stamp sort of thing. And so having a way to, to really good point to have it be verified as trusted knowledge so that it doesn't turn into, again, this dumpster fire of everyone's hopes and dreams, which are all <laughs> yes. valid. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But not ones from five years ago that never amounted to anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we talked a bit earlier about just your love of productivity. So I, I'd love to just drill into how, how you manage your week and, you know, how you help your team be more productive. Yeah. Well, so I, I said this around our hybrid work plan, but I'm always humble. I'm always learning. I'm always sort of researching ways to do this. So none of it is perfect. Um, but I do uh, really have several rituals that I stick to. I don't know if we talked about getting things done like early, which is David Allen's uh, early productivity hacks that I had on CD that I used yes. to listen to. So I just have to call that out because it's just, it's just hilarious when you think back to it now. At the start of the week and often at the start of the day, if I'm feeling frazzled or feel like I have a lot to do, I do what I, I do two things. One is it's just a brain dump, a list of everything that is going, it's all the wheels that are spinning from that I have to call my grandma, that I have to follow up in the email, get my oil changed, whatever that may be, work or personal, dump that out. And then sounds kind of nerdy, but I also uh, do some version of the Eisenhower matrix, if you're familiar. And so that's basically a T and it's four quadrants and you label them, you know, you label the top uh, important, not important, urgent, not urgent. And then I take the information from my brain dump and I scatter it across that plot. And then it becomes really easy to see, okay, I'm worrying about X, Y, Z for no reason. Let me like delegate that this or take it off the list. 
And then I, I throw it out and I'll, I'll move some of the things to the next week, depending on what happens, because then you have sort of the little rubric for yourself of like, okay, I did the thing that was in the important urgent and I can like pat myself on the back for this today instead of lurk, working on all of those sort of like low grade tasks that are distracting, et cetera. The other thing I would call out is that I practice for the most part, something called morning pages, which every morning to write stream of consciousness, just writing. And I I've been doing that for years. Um, and that is very, very helpful in lots of ways from like getting over whatever dream I was having to thinking about the day it could kind of take shape in any way. Um, also want to call out meditation exercise and uh, the digital wellness piece, like working on that every day, even if I'm, even if it's aspirational and completely imperfect. And I, I don't push that all of that too much on my teams, right? That is like my personal way. What I do ask individuals to do is if we are working on things that roll up to company goals, get really crystal clear about how their work and what projects are in service of said company goals and, and have that sort of logic paradigm help them. Because I can't say like, hey, you should be meditating in the morning. That's like, I struggle with that myself. So that's my best, that's my best answer is like, just, you know, focus, don't have too many open loops of projects that you're working on. Yeah. And you're very humble, but I'm waiting for your masterclass in productivity. Cause that sounds like you have it, have it all figured out. <laughs> Cause I mean, you know, the, the importance of getting things out of your head and then that, that matrix of prioritizing, I think, is great because it shines light on what is the urgent thing and what am I you know, needlessly worrying about in the stream of consciousness and that meditation just to unload it all and just, just to kind of get centered before you tackle something before you go into the days. Great advice. Yeah. I mean, and what you might need to do that day is take a nap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You might be ill. You might be feeling sick or you might need to go for a walk like that. That is like, um, that is okay. Exactly. Cause I think you, that rest and recharging and not being burnt out, you got to take signals and be listening to your body. And because without that, you're, you're practically nothing. Right. Yeah. So, so with all that said, what, what's next for you and the guru team? What is on the horizon for you all? Uh, well, we're hiring a lot, <laughs> uh, which is very exciting. Almost trying to double the team in, uh, FY 2023. Um, and so with that comes, needs to be pressure tested for scale. Um, so that's what I'm going to be focused on. And I think the, um, the now more commonplace discussion of like stress and burnout at work, you know, how can we, how can we help build our tool to facilitate the reduction of stress, reduction of mental load of all of the comms and information overload and some of the stuff I talked about, also, I did mention we're having our, our company event. And so, like, how do we foster virtual connection and collaboration for different experiences? That's like, you know, what keeps me up at night kind of in a good way. It's like, how do we make this good? And a lot of it's just having discussions with, with our employees and with folks in the industry and seeing what others are doing. And um, I'm very excited coming into the next calendar year, next fiscal year 
I have my vacation planned. So I'm all try to model what I uh, tell other people to do. Yeah, take your, <laughs> take your time off. Everybody listening, mm-hmm. go right now, schedule some PTO for sure. Yeah. Oh, that that's exciting to hear the growth of, of Guru and just you you know the getting back together with your team. I think is going to be an amazing time. Hopefully, the you know everything is good as far as pandemic wise and all that's that's good to go. Um, so where where can folks go to learn a little bit more about about Guru? Yeah. So always at our website getguru.com uh, getguru.com. Uh, and then we're on the socials and in the same way on, on LinkedIn. But if you're, if you're interested in anything about guru from working here to just learning more about the product, learning more about some of these hacks, definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn or Julia Safa on Twitter. I'm not, I don't really go on the socials, but I go on Twitter maybe like once every three days. So (laughs) That's my big social social experiment, uh, but I do respond to stuff there. Awesome, yeah. We'll be sure to put links on on our blog post and and on the the post that we'll put out so everybody can get get in touch with you if they have any questions and learn more about all the good stuff that you're doing doing at Guru. So Julia, thank you so much for for being on Get More Done. It was great uh, great advice you provided for for our audience, and really happy to have you on. And I hope you have a good rest of your day, have a good rest of your year, and good luck with the the in person event uh, and your kickoff next year. Yeah, likewise, Ben. Be well, stay safe. Happy solstice. That's tomorrow, the darkest day, and then it'll start to get lighter. And there's light. There's always light at the end of the tunnel for sure, everyone. There always is. All right, have a good have a good one. Take care. Be well. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Get More Done. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform to get updates of future episodes. Want to be a guest? Reach out to community at youcanbook.me or visit getmoredone.youcanbook.me. If you or your team want to automate your scheduling, sign up for a free two-week trial at youcanbook.me. What will you do with all the time that you save?